My name is Mark McGuinness, and this is the 21st Century Creative, the podcast that helps you thrive as a creative professional amid the demands, the distractions, and the opportunities of the 21st century. Welcome to episode 8 of the creative disruption season of the 21st Century Creative, where we are hearing stories of creatives from around the world who came up with a creative response to the challenges of the pandemic. Have you ever had the idea for a creative project that you've never quite got round to starting? It's exciting and full of possibilities. It will take time and maybe new skills and definitely courage and possibly money too. So it keeps getting pushed off your to-do list by the more pressing demands of the day. That's the situation actor and voiceover artist Nikki Mondellini was in back in 2019. She dreamed of making a podcast to share her knowledge, meet interesting new people and create opportunities for her career and her business. But with a busy working life in her two roles, there never quite seemed enough time. Then along came coronavirus, and her upcoming movie project was cancelled. And she found herself with more time on her hands than anticipated. And suddenly, a lot of her excuses had vanished. But it would still cost money as well as time, and part of her was urging her to play it safe and not spend anything that she didn't have to. In the end, Nikki decided it was now or never. And in this interview, she tells the story of what happened when she decided to go for it. As somebody who also launched a new podcast during the pandemic, I know how hard it can be to focus on a long-term project when the world is melting down around you. So listen to Nikki's interview for an inspiring story of having the courage to set aside firefighting and anxiety and commit to a project that is creatively fulfilling and strategically smart. Okay, we are now most of the way through the creative disruption season. And it feels like a good point to pause and look at the big picture and see what patterns are emerging. Because the reason for doing this season is to see what we can all learn from a horrendous experience. And as well as recording the podcast, of course I've been coaching creatives continuously throughout the pandemic across a whole range of art forms and creative industries and in different countries around the world. I've also been talking to friends and colleagues, so all of those conversations have thrown up plenty of insights as well. And from where I'm standing, it looks like every creative took one of four basic paths through the pandemic. Path number one was business as usual. These were the lucky ones, the ones whose creative field and working habits and business model and living arrangements 
meant that they could carry on as near to normal as possible. I'm looking at you, novelists and designers and copywriters, and consultants and creative entrepreneurs who were already working successfully from home. And I'm also standing with you. Within a few weeks of COVID landing in the UK, it became apparent to my business partner Mammy and I that our lives were set up about as well as they could be to weather the storm. We had both been working from home and online for many years so we could carry on doing that. We were also lucky that our children were old enough and mature enough to study by themselves most of the time. Okay, if your pandemic was like this, if it was pretty much business as usual, then good for you. And I have a couple of questions for you to consider because who knows what's on the horizon? The economic fallout from the pandemic is, of course, still ongoing, and the war in Ukraine and its consequences mean that this is still a very uncertain period. So the questions are, am I being complacent? And how can I grow from a position of strength so that I'm prepared for potential disruption in the future? Okay, path number two was survival. These were the people who weren't so lucky, who had their usual way of earning a living taken away or massively disrupted. They are the actors and musicians and public speakers and workshop leaders and other people who create amazing shared experiences for live audiences and groups. Many of these people had to depend on government support or even find something else to do. And their old jobs or their old companies may have disappeared forever. Many of them are still trying to figure out what they're going to do next. I keep thinking about the delivery guy I spoke to early in the pandemic, who I got chatting to when he brought our shopping. He said he'd been a technician on stage shows, but he was doing this to put food on the table for his family. And I really admired his attitude and his willingness to roll up his sleeves and do what it took to keep going. So if this is you, if you've been in some version of survival mode during the pandemic, I want to say, well done. You kept going. You did what you had to do to survive and stay in the game. Because you are still in the game. It may not feel like it. Your creative work may not be your job right now. You may have precious little time for it. But your talent is still there. And you can pick up your work again. At some point, you can start carving out time to create by working on a meaningful project, even if it's only for a few hours a week to begin with. Maybe you can't go back to doing exactly what you did before. But if you still have that creative spark, you can find a way to kindle it into something else. So, questions for you to reflect on are, firstly, what do I need to do to keep going? And secondly, how can I keep myself afloat emotionally and find some time in my life for creativity? Okay, path number three is reinvention. These are the people who found their work disrupted and who managed to do something new and bold and creative in response. 
as you heard in, earlier in the season, theatre director Stephen Kunis had his brand new show cancelled and he created a new type of show combining elements of cinema and live theatre. Earl Abrahams normally spent his days capturing the life of Johannesburg in his photographs. But when he was confined to his apartment, he created a remarkable series of lockdown photographs and started sharing and selling them via Instagram. When film sets around the world were abandoned, producers Harrison Winter, Brandon Block and Lagan Siebert realised they were in a position to reboot filming by connecting clients with their network of filmmakers all over the world. And they founded a new company, Home Team, to do just that. Amrita Kumar spent years building one of the most successful experiential marketing agencies in India, only to find herself forbidden to keep sending her team out to talk to consumers. So she lost most of her business and eventually most of her team. But she also launched a successful new online service, Mojobox. Best-selling author and teacher Laura Davis was doing deep work with her students on retreats in exotic locations. But when she was forced to cancel all her retreats for 2020, she went online with help from her community. As you'll hear later in today's episode, when Nikki Mondellini saw all her acting work dry up, she invested in her skills and stepped into a new role that she had been thinking about for years. What all these creatives had in common was their willingness to look for the opportunity in a constraint, to think the unthinkable and to do things that were previously considered undoable. If you are in a space of contemplating reinvention, questions to reflect on are, firstly, what opportunities can I find in the circumstances that are constraining me? And secondly, what can I do now that I couldn't do before? Path number four, last but certainly not least, is contribution. You know, when I started researching this season, I was focused on finding stories of personal reinvention, path number three. But as I put my feelers out and recorded the conversations, I found myself talking to people who weren't so much focused on personal reinvention as on helping other people in their industry and their community. So when the pandemic landed in Australia, music manager Charlotte Abrams had to cancel a major tour she'd lined up for one of her musicians. But then she looked outwards at the wider industry and helped to create a series of online concerts, a fundraising event for musicians and a new mentoring service for developing artists. Lockdown forced many parents around the world into a role they would never have previously considered, homeschooling their children. Seeing this, Kay Lock Culp suddenly found her expertise in helping parents was in great demand and she stepped up to help via her podcast and her coaching services. And going back to Brandon, Lagan and Harrison founding Home Team, the success 
of the company was actually built on the many years that they'd already spent cultivating relationships with filmmakers around the world. And this put them in the perfect position to help the community as well as serve their industry. So what all these people have in common is their instinct to look outwards, to help others, to think in terms of we instead of I. And there are countless other stories out, and there are countless other stories out there of people who did what they could to help us all get through the pandemic. And this creative disruption season is my own small contribution to the bigger picture, to helping us all make sense of what we've been through, to share the learnings and become collectively stronger as a result. The key questions, if you're thinking about contribution, are who needs help right now and what can I do to help? So those are the four basic paths I identified. And next week, we're going to zoom in on path number three, reinvention. And I'm going to share something I discovered about the people who were best placed to reinvent themselves when the pandemic struck. If you enjoy the 21st Century Creative, then you might like to know I offer an alternative take on creativity on my other podcast, A Mouthful of Air, where I interview poets about the writing process behind their poems. Here's the poet Kathy Pimlott talking about writing her poem Return to the Terminus from her collection The Small Maneuvers, published by Verve Poetry Press. None of this, none of this, Mark, is in my mind when I'm writing. None of it. I'm just writing. I'm just writing what I can remember and what I think about and where, where it takes me. I'm not thinking, oh, I know what I'll do, as I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do that. I'm not thinking that at all. And I certainly wasn't thinking that in relation to this poem. So I start from free writing. So I will always start with, there's something I want to write about and I don't know why I want to write about it. Sit down, you can sit there for half an hour or three sides of A4, whichever is the longer, and you're going to write. And you're going to start off with the line that's annoying you. So it might be actually an actual line or it might just be, I don't know why I want to write about this, but something happened here and I want to, and just carry on writing. And then looking at it and saying, is there anything there? Is there anything there? And then taking out that thing that you think is there and then writing again in that way. And then at some point, it starts to make a shape. And that's when you then start, right, okay, this is the work. (laughs) This is the work. You can find A Mouthful of Air on all the usual podcast platforms with a new episode every two weeks to give you a regular connection to the muse. The pandemic has been a time of fear. And for many of us, our response to external restrictions and loss of projects 
and income has been to withdraw, to hunker down, to focus on saving money rather than spending it, and to stick to what we know rather than trying something new. So when I put a message out in the 21st Century Creative members group on Patreon asking how people had responded to the challenges of the pandemic, I was really interested to hear Nikki Mondellini's story. Nikki is an actor who had an early start in show business. Since childhood, she was attracted to the magic of the stage, and later she continued her path by working in television and film as well as the theatre. And alongside her acting career, she developed a voiceover business. Having grown up in Mexico City with an Italian father and a British mother has made her equally proficient in Spanish, English and Italian, as well as different accents. Specialising in commercials for the Hispanic market, she has been the voice of major brands such as Ford, Google Pixel, Fiat Alfa Romeo, Texas Lottery, Blue Cross, Blue Shield and Ikea. In 2017, she received the Voice Arts Award for Outstanding Spanish Language Narration by the Society of Voice Arts and Sciences. The Society also nominated her for awards in 2019, 2020 and 2021. At the beginning of 2020, she had been cast in a film and was looking forward to starting shooting in February. Then the pandemic arrived and the project evaporated, as well as all the other acting opportunities she'd been lining up. It was a frightening time, and part of her was very tempted to play it safe. But in today's interview, Nikki tells me how she came to treat the pandemic as an opportunity to lean into her voiceover work, raise her game, and attract new clients. So she invested in her professional development, ignoring the voice at the back of her mind, telling her not to spend any money she didn't have to. Training with the top voiceover coach, Dave Walsh, made a big difference to her performance, which helped her book a very important client for several commercial campaigns. It also boosted her confidence to negotiate better rates for other new projects. She also joined a mastermind group with Mark Scott, who helped her overcome her perfectionist procrastination over the long-cherished idea of launching her own podcast. This is now her Spanish-language podcast, La Pizarra, which features interviews with experienced professionals in the entertainment business on both sides of the camera. Creating a professionally produced podcast was another big investment, but it has given Nikki another outlet for her creative talent, and it's paying off by raising her profile, growing her network, and creating opportunities for her career. Nikki is a great example of being bold in the face of a big challenge and having the discernment to distinguish taking financial risk from investment in her career and her business. Whatever creative field you work in, you'll benefit from hearing Nikki's upbeat attitude to challenges and unexpected obstacles.
Nikki, how did you get started on your creative path? Well, I got started uh, at a very young age. I was 11 years old when I did my first musical. So, you know, I've, I've been in the business for quite a while. I don't exactly like to say, you know, oh, yeah, over 35 years in the business, because then they'll think I'm much older than what I am. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's when I got started. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's been lovely. <laughs> Gosh, that's an early start. So that... I mean, what was that experience like? Was it love at first sight? Did you think, yes, this is what I want to do? Or, or was it more of a slow burn? Yes. No, it was. Um, I should say my first uh, experiences on stage were for, um, you know, I started dancing when I was uh, four years old. And uh, we did um, the recitals, end of the year recitals. And they were always like like a magical production. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, you know, all the different groups, they, they take, you know, uh, like five minutes for each group to dance and, and that's it. No, it was all weaved into a story. I loved that element. It was a very magical element. Mm -hmm. And being on stage, instead of being nervous and being afraid of people there, um, for me, it was it was a beautiful reaction. I wanted to be there. I wanted to express, I, you know, the lights, the stage, everything. I just fell in love with it. Um, and so each time we had a recital, I just couldn't wait for it. Uh, and then when I got the opportunity to to play uh, Baby June and Gypsy um, when I was 11, uh, my goodness, you know, I really, really enjoyed all of that experience, and, you know, the rehearsals and then going on tour. And um, I felt it, uh, that that was my path. That's definitely what I wanted to do. I could see myself, I call myself fantasizing about dancing on stage, about doing this, doing that. Whenever I would hear a piece of music, I was already imagining the choreography and, you know, all, all the creative things that, that go with it. You know, it was my world and I just felt alive in it and it, it just made me feel wonderful. And so I've always looked to express myself creatively in, in many different ways. So from that early on, you were thinking, this is the thing I want to do. Yes, yes, for sure. At, at one point, I thought I wanted to be a, a classical dancer, but I'm five foot ten. Um, and so it's not easy to get dance partners when you're mm. standing on, you know, you're six feet yeah. tall or more, you know, when yeah. you're on your toes. Um, but, but also, um, I always wanted to, you know, also be acting, you know, doing, doing more, I mean, doing all three things, you know, acting, singing, dancing, you know, and um, so that I, I looked for ways to do that. I would say there was a bit of an interruption at one point when I was in high school, all of my friends, you know, they were all, all talking about what they would do when they were going to graduate, you know, oh, I'm going to study communications and another one was going to go into biology and another one was going into med school. At one point I thought, oh, um, is a career in the in the arts going to make me you know be able to um, support myself mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I started Good to question. question all of those things and <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and so I thought mm. and then also because I remember my my dad um, saying you know I, I lost my dad when I was uh, very young uh, also but but he was saying well you you have to prepare yourself you know if you're a dancer well what if you break your leg then that's it your career's over you know <laughs> And uh, so I was always thinking, well, yes, I, I, I have to have something more, something to sustain me if, if things go wrong creatively. Um, so I decided to go to Italy and live with my grandmother and 
my aunt and uncle and study. I was going to go down like a diplomatic path, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and study international relations. And so, but for the first year, I had to, um, you know, pick up another two languages. So I speak three languages um, because I grew up in Mexico City, actually. I was born in Italy. My, my father's family, they're all Italian and my mother's British. Um, and um, so... After a couple of years after I was born, my father got a, an opportunity to go work in Mexico, and um, they were very adventurous, my parents, you know, so we just, we just went there. And uh, I grew up there, so school was in Spanish, everything was in Spanish, um, and I grew up listening to my dad speak to us in Italian, and I would reply in Spanish, and same with my mom. I spoke three, but they, 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 they required four. So I thought, okay, well, let me study French, or why, why not French and German? So I, I started to just do French and German for that first year, and then I was going to go into university. But six months in, one night, I was just tossing and turning and saying, okay, no, no, there's something missing in my life. No, I have to go back to the stage. I need the stage. You know, I, I need to be there and I need to be in front of a camera. And that's my path. You know, who am I kidding? That's my path. So I'm going to do the best I can. I call my mom and she's like, well, yes, of course, come back. You know, she was missing me like crazy and my sisters. And, and she said, uh, here, you know, I will support you 100%. You want to go down that path? All right, you go to the best theater school. You get the best teacher. You get the best training and you go on that path with firm feet. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just going to wing it and see, oh, you know, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do that. No, if you're going to choose that path, do it correctly, Mm -hmm. get the proper training uh, and and you build your career from there, you know. So, yeah, that that was like um, uh, coming to my senses kind of thing and and just establishing, no, yes, I am a creative person and I, I just love to perform. Isn't it always the, supposed to be true in the hero's journey? There's the call to adventure, and then if, then the hero always refuses and says, no, I'll go and do this other thing first or instead. Yeah. But then there, there comes a point where they have to do it. You know, the calling is too strong. Okay, so then where did you go? You, you went to school to train? Yes, yes. So my mom had been working with uh, with a very good theatre director in, in Mexico, and uh, his name was uh, Hector Mendoza. And I had met him when I was younger because my mom would bring us to rehearsals with her, you know, me and my sisters. And so, um, you know, he knew me and then would come to you know, classes when she was teaching at the university and uh, with all the same actors that, that she would then, then <clears throat> sorry, that she would then choreograph in, in a play. And she said, well, look, this um, teacher, he's now opening a school, a specific school. So instead of going into the university, uh, he wasn't teaching there anymore uh, for um, what they call the Centro Universitario del Teatro, which is uh, the the theater center in in the um, uh, National Autonomous University in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of that, he was just teaching theater there, but he opened up a school with another two very, very good theater directors in Mexico. It, it was very tough, but I'm happy to say I made it all the way to the end. <laughs> and uh, it was fantastic. And it gave me a lot of uh, the basis and, and the structure um, and the professionalism that I apply in everything I do nowadays, you know. So once you graduated, where did you get going with your career and how did you find your groove professionally? 
Sure. Well, you know, it was um, fortunate that I was working while I was studying, and that's the way I paid for my my um, acting mm-hmm. career. Uh, actually, you know, for my for my studies, I was modeling. And I was also working in television already. I was um, I was one of several hosts of a morning show, and my sections were fashion and then uh, paint and sculpture. And um, and I would do bits and pieces. You know, I was I started to do a bit of voiceover there, but I didn't have a studio. You know, I was asked to do that at the studios within Televisa. You know, the the, the TV station where mm-hmm. I was working, and so um, I was already you know. Um, just getting to know producers there and, uh, and and working a bit more. And when I when I graduated, you know, things, uh, you know, bigger projects uh, started to come along. You know, I, I had bigger parts in in soap operas and in, in drama shows, and uh, and I was also doing a lot of theater. You know, so uh, my own teacher, you know, the the main teacher, the main director of the school, um, you know, they love to work with their own students, of course. You know, mm-hmm. so I became uh, part of his. Uh, company and, and working in productions that uh, that were put on uh, with the UNAM, you know, the university and with the Institute of Fine Arts as well. And uh, I, I continued there. So it was mainly um, acting, you know, theater and television and bit by bit, you know, as things started to evolve, um, I started to do more and more television, committing to a soap opera and the, uh, and the recordings there, you know, for the soap opera were you know, lasting from six months to maybe nine months to a year, depending on the length of the soap opera. And in Mexico, they're not long running, you know, like um, like you have Coronation mm-hmm. Street in, in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, in Mexico, they're short. They're short stories. You know, they go on for about six to nine months to maybe a year and a half. I mean, that's that's a very oh, long really? soap opera uh, if, it, if it goes beyond a year. And so in that sense, it was really nice because I ended up doing a lot of different characters for, for each of the soap operas that I was mm-hmm. in. And um yeah, and and that that um, became um, like my main source. Still doing some theater here and there, and uh, and finally, uh, you know, the the bigger change um, was in two thousand six um, when we decided to move to Houston, and uh, and that's where my career in, in voiceover really uh, started to grow a lot more. And uh, I, I did a little bit less acting, and that was because of my family situation. Mm-hmm living in Houston, there's no big TV studios here. And uh, so, and because I didn't want anybody else to take care of my kids while I was working, you know, uh, I wanted to be here for them and, and do more like the mom thing, right? And just um, voiceover was was a godsend in that sense, because I was able to work while they're in school. Uh, and so I wasn't at a standstill. Uh, a lot of the people that, that saw me, you know, fans from the soap operas, mm-hmm. you know, on social media, they were saying, where are you? Why did you retire? Uh-huh. You know, you should go back to the soap operas and all that. And I said, no, I didn't retire. I'm just going into a different avenue right mm-hmm. now, but I'm still working. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you know, definitely, um, I continued doing a lot more of that. Uh, and then as my kids grow, grew older and, and were able to do more things for themselves, I also started to pick up on a few things, you know, with acting, going away from, from home for a little bit, my husband being here with them, uh, and uh, having the voice over studio, you know, setting it up uh, the way I hadn't done in Mexico was, was something completely new for me. Um, so I had to learn all of that, you know, learning how to use um, a recording 
um, software, you know, and learning how to edit, learning how to take out the breaths and, and how to take out little clicks and things within the audio and, and, uh, and setting up a voiceover business, basically. Um, I, you know, it was a, a learning curve for me and, uh, but a very exciting one. And, uh, and interacting with a lot of people in the voiceover community has been amazing because everyone is just uh, very happy to to give you advice and to help you along. Um, and so in that sense, um, I was learning how to be a business owner like I had, I had never been before. With with acting, you know, you have an agent and or producers call you because they see you on a show yeah. and they want you in their show. But having to do it on my own with, with voiceover and uh, I had to learn how to contact clients and how to create my uh, CRM, you know, uh, have a CRM to be um, getting in touch with people, following up and, and, and everything else. And, um, and that has been um, very interesting and uh, very satisfying because, you know, suddenly when I call myself a business owner, I, I, I feel very, very good. It's like, well, I've been building something, you know, um, bit by bit, you know, clients trust me and uh, they know that I deliver, that I'm professional, that I'm going to do everything in my power to deliver the best audio possible and exactly what they need for their project. So, Nikki, I'm really interested to hear you talk about your two roles. You know, one is the kind of, the, you know, the classic actor with agent setup that, you know, is, is the way that industry has traditionally worked. But then also as a a business owner, um, which a lot of creatives tend to resist, you know, the idea that they could be business people, they, they dare one say it, entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, it, mm -hmm. it sounds for you, though, that that transition or ha having that um, aspect of your work as well sounded quite empowering. It definitely was. I had never realized or seen myself as a business owner before. I was just a performer. Mm -hmm. uh, having, you know, being booked for this job or that job, you know, and I would get paid through the actors union in, in Mexico. Um, and so I, I was, you know, never even have had an idea of what a CRM was or anything, you know, I would just organically bump into someone when I was, you know, taping something, you know, I would say hi to this producer or that actor or whatever, not knowing or not structuring it as, oh, I'm doing my networking now, yeah. you know, uh, never had, never had established it that way before. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, I just heard a tip from someone saying, well, when you've been out of work for a while and you're kind of worried, just grab a bunch of scripts like old scripts that you have put him in your hand, go walk around the TV station and that's going to signal to people that you're working, that you're in a project, you know. And oh. <laughs> So it's like work begets work. Yeah. If they see you're busy, they'll, right. want, they'll want to see what you're doing and call you for their mm -hmm. project, right? Um, so then uh, when I started in, in voiceover, I had an agent here when, when we moved to Houston, um, I did get in touch with an agent um, and I would just work and, and, and do whatever they would give me, you know, what, what, whatever auditions they would give me, I would do. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough to have my, my demos on their website and people would call me directly from hearing my demos, wanting my voice for their project, mm -hmm. but it wasn't happening fast enough. Right. And then I started to realize, well, then what's going to happen? So the more I got into the voiceover community and, and I went to um, voiceover conventions, then I, I saw finally 
all of the aspects that you need to take into consideration to build a voiceover business and call yourself a business owner. That that was for me a turning point to see, oh, okay, now it's 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 also in my hands. I don't just have to wait for my agent to send me auditions. It can be in my hands. I can actually create something and 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 build um, you know, the business upon that and and contact people, you know, made me very nervous because I, uh, you know, I hate calling someone and, and asking for, for a job, you know, and, and um, you know, very insecure about that. And uh, I'm a very shy person, even if I love being on stage, but I'm very shy to talk to people mm-hmm. and and, uh, and tell them, you know, how wonderful my voice is and I should be with, you know, doing their yeah. project, you know, because no, I mean, I realize I'm one of many mm-hmm. and and they have a choice, you know, so... Um, I, I needed to do all of that and just be confident in the way that I approach clients and, and start to build the business from there. And uh, the more I knew about it from other people within the voiceover community, the, the more confident I became and the more I learned, you know, about how to start building my, my voiceover business. So if we can now fast forward to late 2019, so the last days of normal life, as we remember them fondly now. Yeah. What were you working on at that stage and what plans did you have for 2020? Um, well, I had been doing quite a bit of networking, in-person networking, and from there I met a producer that called me to audition for, for a film. And uh, and so he cast me in, in that film that was going to be um, done in, in Houston. And uh, and then also, um, you know, a couple of, it was about three projects that, that clients had told me that they wanted me for, for those projects to, to work in and that we needed to do follow-ups on, on those. Um, and the um, the other thing is that um, I had finally made up my mind to join this mastermind group that was going to be quite an investment. I was a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, my financial goals weren't exactly where I wanted them to be um, mm-hmm. by the end of the year. And it was, you know, a question of are you going to invest in it or not? But I had I had heard from other people that joining a mastermind group specifically with, with this um, coach was a game changer. So I, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go all in. You know, I'm going to do this yep. and uh, and it's going to be great. And I'm going to learn new things and push myself in ways that I've never pushed myself before and give myself deadlines for that, you know. And um, so I did it. And then... The coach, you know, right after, of course, the pandemic and, and lockdown and everything, the coach said, you know, guys, I have to confess, I don't know if I'm going to lead you in the right way because the world is upside down right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we don't know what's going to happen, right? But that doesn't mean that you you have to forget your goals. So do the best you can and let's see what happens. And so, yeah, I mean, we were all nervous, but um, I, I was definitely having those goals in mind. And I started to complete them, you know, one by one, bit by bit, going into doing the the kinds of things that I could do. Um, It was devastating when when projects started to be cancelled. You know, I was counting on that film. I was counting also on um, on those other projects that, that for voiceover that, that, um, that I was going to do, because of course, you know, that, that would mean I was going to start paying back what I had invested in, mm. in the mastermind group and, you know, get an income and, and not be in the red numbers, you know, at, at the beginning of the year. Um, so I was, uh, 
you know, I, I just thought, okay, I'm, I'm not going to worry about that because it's just ridiculous. I'm not going to let that frustrate me. Things are going to happen anyway. What can I do? Part of my goal there was to train with with, with uh, specific people, right? Um, that were very, you know, excellent coaches, you know, for voiceover in particular, one of them for a commercial voiceover. And I also wanted to book a national campaign and, uh, and become um, uh, a union actor within uh, SAG-AFTRA, the, the union here in, 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 the U- uh, in the US. So at what point did you realize that this, you know, this new story about this new virus was actually going to impact you and your work directly? Oh my goodness. Um I think that when I when I heard someone say on the news it's not a question of if it's going to hit the US, it's a question of when. And uh and this is real. And so I was I was very very worried. At one point I thought, well, I have a home studio. I don't have to go out for work. I mean, you know, it's no problem. People are still going to want voice, you know, for for their businesses or whatever. But then, of course, it hit me that the economy, everything was halted. Why? Because I was sending out emails that more than usual were not being answered, you know, or follow-ups to, hey, well, you know, uh, when's the film going to start? You know, yeah. it's um, I'm, I'm ready for that. Is it going to go on? Or, or And they're like, oh, sorry, our investors had to pull out because everything is up in the air right now. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that was, that was, it was something that I had been looking forward to a lot, you know, like, oh, finally, I'm going to start doing more things on camera. And then, uh, no, guess not. And uh, yeah, uh, that was devastating, you know, and, uh, and also knowing that um, we just, didn't know when projection was going to go on for the videos, uh, you know, where I was going to lend my voice. Um, nobody wanted to invest or move anything in their economy and everything was just halted. And so I'm like, well, what do I do now? You know? And, uh, so what did you do? You know, I just, I just thought I'm not going to let myself be too, uh, invested into, you know, well, that's it. You know, things are not going to move. I just, I, I kept thinking, okay, this is not going to go on forever. So I always had that, that positivity in, in the back of mm-hmm. my mind or in the <laughs> forefront saying, well, you have to keep pushing, yeah. you know, you have to keep moving. Even though things are haunted, what can you do to prepare yourself for when the economy does improve, for, for when things start picking up, mm-hmm. you know? What can you do? And so one of those things, of course, was uh, that I, I wanted to start my podcast. And, um, well, now I had the time to do it, you know, and, and I, I could invest the time into preparing for it. And, um, and in, in all of my beginning episodes there, all of my guests were all talking about the, the, not in the first two, um, episodes, but, but after that, when it was really there, really present, everyone's talking about the pandemic and when things will, will go back to normal or whatever. But I got great interviews with, with people about their journeys, about, uh, you know, things that they could offer to help other people, um, uh, you know, in their creative business, either on camera or, you know, or behind the camera or at the mic, um, which is most of what my podcast is about. And, um, 
it was also an investment to pay for the production costs for for the podcast. But I'm my own editor, um, so I wasn't investing too much uh, in that sense. And so I was able to go on, um, you know, bit by bit, and still hoping for for productions to pick up. And then bit by bit, this client said, "Okay, now we're able to produce this thing." And and another client, uh, you know, started to want to push things out more. And so, you know, production started back again, you know, very slowly. Um, is this voiceover production? Yes, yes, those were voiceover production. Right. Uh, there were promotional videos. Okay. Yeah. Are you saying that the podcast was an idea that you'd had before the pandemic, but you hadn't had time to do? I hadn't had time and I wasn't sure when I would start. Mm. I kept wanting everything to be perfect for oh, it. Yes. No so really. one of the things in the voice in, in the yeah, in the in the mastermind group, uh, and the leader was saying, Well, what are you waiting for? Which is go do it, mm -hmm. go there. You know, I'm like, no, 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 but but I want it to be perfect. You know, I need this guest and I know I, I need to structure it. I, so I was very worried about all of the details, I just wanted it to be great, you know, perfect, like from the mm -hmm. get-go. And and uh, so he helped me realize that it doesn't have to be perfect to start off with. You know, it can be bit by bit building up on, on what you do and, and you're improving from it. But if you don't start now, you'll never do it, you know. And so I just went ahead and, and started it, you know. And uh, since the first interview, I loved it. I thought, wow, this is amazing. I love interviewing people and, and about a theme that I'm passionate about, which is which is show business. Yeah. So yes, I'm going to continue this podcast. And what yeah. what were your aspirations for the podcast? You know, what what did you obviously I can hear from your voice that you love making it and but professionally, what were the goals mm. of making a show like that? To establish, yeah, the podcast was also to establish myself as a as a professional and for credibility. Mm -hmm. You know, um, for clients to if, if I spoke to someone, you know, when, when I do interviews and I talk to someone about that and they, they can hear the type of question that I do or the comments that I do, it's it's showing how, um, you know, either my credibility, my professionalism, my my willingness to to be there to learn more about the business to and to improve and to always um, be someone who is um just, you know, a good candidate for also for their project because they have had all these years of experience, you know. So um, it was a bit of a, of a branding thing, I would mm -hmm. say, you know, um, um, between a marketing and branding thing of my my own business, um, but also highlighting the guests, yeah. highlighting their contribution, highlighting their their importance in the business. And so, um, and uh, I, I think it was also or it has been also networking because some of those guests that I, I I don't know very well, some of them are my colleagues and and friends, but a lot of them I find either on LinkedIn or other places, and so it ends up being uh, you know networking as well. So uh, yeah, it's worked in all, in all of those ways. Yeah, I, I think this is really one of the wonderful things about a podcast is that it it is so multifaceted. You know that it's creatively rewarding to make in its own right. It's a great chance to get mm -hmm. to know other people, to learn from them, to to network, if you like. Um, and it's also is getting you and your your voice and your ideas and your brand out there in a way that can benefit your career. So I've always felt that it was it's a really rewarding and I think a very effective 
medium to long-term strategy for a business. But what I'm hearing from you is that <laughs> maybe all the, the day-to-day stuff was getting in the way until the pandemic came along. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and uh, also a fear of, of, well, you know, am I really doing this or not? I'm a perfectionist. And so if I don't have everything right, if I don't have the, like, the perfect script and the perfect answers and the, or questions or everything, you know, um, I'm, I'm just not going to do it, you know. But once I started to let go of that, because uh, I'm like, well, no, I'm never going to be as perfect as I want. You know, I just have to get started and just just do it and just enjoy the the journey. Um, and now, you know, I have gotten seriously busy. You know, I did have a huge turning point in 2020. And it also sounds like you, you know, you had a great nudge from your coach. I mean, so, so who was your coach? Let's give them some credit. Oh, for the mastermind group? Yeah. Yeah. Mark Scott from the Viopreneur podcast. Yeah, he's also a voiceover artist. Okay, great. So he gave you a good nudge in the right direction, as well as the opportunity from the pandemic. Oh, yeah. So um, all the the rewards that I've received from from the podcast um, have been amazing because listening to my guests and uh, as well as as continuing with, uh, with the goals that I had set myself for the year, um, we're starting to reap a lot of rewards. You know, um, I was uh, training with someone that was part of the um, one of the goals, and uh, and so trained for commercial voiceover, and and that helped me do you know start to put that little extra that I needed into my auditions, and helped me book a very good national campaign, which which I'm still doing to this day. You know, for that same client, and so that has been amazing, a very big game changer. Uh, and also, um, I've been invited to talk at, at voiceover conferences and, and also to, to talk about creating your podcast in, yeah. uh, in, in, in the courses that, that a friend of mine is teaching about everything that has to do with voiceover. And she's like, oh, why don't you talk about creating a podcast and all that? And I'm like, well, I'm not an expert. She says, well, yes, but none in the group know about what you do to get started and all that. If you contribute that to our group, that would be amazing, you know. So then I started to do that. So I became more confident in myself as a business owner, as a producer, and um, as as an artist, you know. I think um, the, uh, both the Mastermind Group and the podcast have helped me a lot in that sense. That's fantastic. You know, it's really, and I really do believe when you put yourself out there, in the world, you know, in a way that you're bringing something of genuine value and interest to your audience, magical things start to happen from that, you know, and I, and I can absolutely hear you at that point in the pandemic, you'd already invested in the mastermind, you had, uh, you were investing in the podcast, it's it's an act of faith up to a point, isn't it, particularly when the, the economic outlook was so uncertain. And it's great to hear that that's coming back to you in the, the form of you know, work and, and other opportunities. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's been wonderful. And so what happened to the actor during this period? You know, the actor's there. She's always there. Um, since I, I really had to push for the growth of my business, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate also that my husband um, also has his own business, nothing related to voiceover at, at all. But, uh, but you know, both of us together, you know, pull through. We have 
two kids and soon three in university. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's... <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not cheap, is it? <laughs> no, no, not cheap. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've been able to uh, to do that. And, and, and it's just been wonderful um, to see how I can start to support myself and all that. But still, of course, every time I watch a movie... And I see, you know, I see it from the actor's perspective and with, with a, a different, uh, with a different eye, you're thinking, oh, that actor is so credible right now. I would, you know, what are they doing that, that touches me, you know, or how would I do that differently? You know, those are things that, that I always perceive or always have in mind whenever I watch a TV show or a movie or something and always wanting to be there uh, and, and, and to develop a character and to be either on stage or in front of the camera. Um, so knowing that, that, okay, I had to put the actor here, you know, um, I mean, the actor is expressing herself in different ways, I would say, sure. you know, even if you're in front of the, of the mic, um, you don't have an audience there, but, but voiceover has its own, you know, uh, its own things that 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 you need. I mean, you need to be creative. You need to. You are doing a character. You're not on stage or in front of the camera. But every time you talk, whether I mean, it could be something as simple as a, a you know IVR, which is um, the voice you hear on telephone message. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, if you'd like to leave a message, please press yeah. one. You know, that sort of thing. Um, I do tons of those in in, in both English and Spanish. Um, but, you know, even if it's something as simple as that or something as beautiful and enjoyable as narrating a documentary, mm-hmm. and it can be with any any theme at all, and you're playing the part of the expert talking about that mm-hmm. theme. So you are acting. Yeah. When you do a commercial, you also have to be the one who is knowledgeable enough to offer the information to the client. You have to believe it and you have to be very credible. Otherwise, you won't, you know... In your voice, people won't perceive that. You won't be booked for that, you know. So I have been pushing my, my acting in all those different ways. Um, and uh, But, of course, uh, you know, the interaction and, and having the dialogue, you know, spoken back to me, you know, with, with scene partners. Um, uh, yeah, that, that is amazing. And and I miss that. But, but I've kept going to acting classes. So I haven't forgotten about that completely, you know. And, and I'm still auditioning for, for films. And, um, you know, the, there's um, this other one. The, the one that got cancelled has been pushed to October. So I am going to do it in the end, you know. Now, hopefully, if everything goes well. But, yeah, you know. So that will have a happy ending, that story. Fingers crossed. They will, that will have a happy ending. Yes, fingers crossed. Uh, people are wearing masks uh, when, they're, when they're not on camera, you know, or everyone rehearses with their masks on, mm-hmm. you know. All this, you know, the safety precautions are really there. They're very strict. And that's the only way that productions can go on. And part of, of me not pursuing that much also has been not wanting to be away from my kids because, of course, you know, you have to travel to other yeah. cities uh, and, and be on location for about three months or so, you know, and uh, th- that just wasn't possible for me. I just didn't want to do that and, you know, be away from my kids for that long. Uh, so my my youngest one is about to graduate high school. So that's about to change. You know, I'll, I'll be more confident to do that and knowing 
that I can also take my voiceover studio with me because I can take my, you know, my computer, my microphone, or even, um, you know, rent a, a professional studio in, in, in any city when I need to do what we call the, a remote connection, you know, sort of what we're doing now, but uh, it's just voice, you know, and the studio can record me directly into their own um, studio through my microphone with a, with a specific platform that we use. So that that's where I'll be heading into more and more. Great. So overall, it sounds like the fact that you had these two strands to your career, when one of them was blocked by the pandemic, you were able to lean into the other one more and, and develop that and build that side of your business. Yes. And another, another investment that I did um, during the pandemic, it was, you know, it was not easy to make also because I'm I definitely uh, was living on savings at that point, but I thought, okay, I definitely want my voice to be, or my delivery to be completely different every time I audition. I want a different take. Mm -hmm. I want, you know, to be, you know, have like a fresh approach to my auditions. And this coach in my mastermind group uh, had been recommended by by several of, of the people that were in the group. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I'll just reach out to him and, uh, and yes, you know, he wasn't cheap, but he was making a discount, um, because of the pandemic, you know, so he, um, he was offering, you know, like a, a discount if you, if you were booking like two sessions at a time. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to do that. And from the first session that I had with him, I booked something. I mean, he put me, he was um, just like led me in the way, in the little way that I needed to do. And it was similar to my acting training, actually. Mm-hmm. A lot of things clicked and made sense to me. It started to give me more of a confidence in, in the way that I would approach my auditions. Uh, so much so that I continued to pay for that training and pay for more sessions with this, with this coach. And that led me to then book this, this very, um, very, good deal, you know, the the national commercial campaign that I'm still doing to this day, you know, it was thanks to that training. And I wouldn't have been pushed to do that had I not invested in the mastermind group, had I not invested into these sessions with him. Uh, and so it did make me very nervous because, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, am I going to be able to pay for this? You know, remember, I, I started to pay for production costs of the mm-hmm. podcast yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm depleting my, my savings. And, uh, uh, and then I thought, well, you know, I better do it because I knew it. I knew it was it was going to move my my delivery, my my business, everything into a different realm, you know, into a different aspect. And um, and it has, you know. And I just kept thinking, this is going to be good. This is going because I felt it every time we had a session. Every time I felt more confident, um, I was taking like more you know, secure steps towards the things that I needed to do to keep building my business and to book the kinds of work, the kind of work that that I know can sustain me financially, as well as let me express myself creatively in the way that I know I can. That's that's a terrific story, Nikki. And it, it really emphasizes something, I think, that a, a lot of times people think about coaching as remedial or something that you do if you're not quite up to scratch, or maybe it's something that you do when you're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one day when you've got all your ducks in a row. But actually, it's very often it's the most beneficial when you're already an experienced professional, because 
a coach is the person who can take yeah. you to the next level and the next level went on from where you were already sounds like it's it's quite something special yeah oh yes absolutely i mean totally worth it and so in my mastermind group everyone was talking about this coach dave walsh and how great he is you know and, and how amazing it is to to do his training and uh and how he's helped a lot of people so i thought yes i'm i'm going to reach out to dave and and i'm going to book a few sessions Thank you Nikki. I mean I, I really appreciate your openness in in sharing the challenges that you had, the way you rose to those challenges and it's been so great to hear that you know your investment of of time and money and courage and faith and and effort is is paying off so well. So if somebody's listening to this and maybe actor, maybe a voiceover artist or maybe working in another creative profession and you know i think all of us are still facing some version of the challenges of the pandemic what would you like to share with them that you learn from your own experience of pivoting and and reinventing yourself in response to the pandemic um i would say that first of all you need to establish your goals like really where do you see yourself going where do you want yourself to be you know to really make a difference in your business um and then not not settle for you know oh well there's there's no work because all of these external things are out of my control so well that's it i can't do anything about it no you know you have to be proactive and you have to keep moving forward and you know i i was also looking at all the free resources that i could and and some coaches were offering free sessions and so if you're well connected into the community of the business that you're in you know a voiceover community oh my goodness i mean there's tons of free advice that you can get mm-hmm. out there go to the forums the facebook groups um listen to podcasts you know like like the one uh one of the ones that that is my favorite and was my mastermind mastermind coach uh, is Mark Scott and the Vopreneur podcast and a uh, shout out to him because right. uh he gives out great great advice from the yeah Mark yep and from there you will you will find out about about others you know other podcasts other forums other things where you can pick up a lot of information valuable information that you can use for your business and keep moving forward and keep growing you know acting as well you know what can you do you know can you uh you know spare the the money to uh, invest in online classes as well cuz i mean a lot of online classes for acting were going on as well and there's a uh, master class you know if you want to uh, pay a subscription to master class and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you know amazing people directors and 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 famous actors a listers you know are there giving courses so uh, you know what can you do to keep moving forward if you don't have the resources at first that will help you gain the confidence to be starting to book the work that you can then reinvest to pay for those targeted specific people that you know are going to help you move forward with your business and with with your creative um spirit you know and, and with all your talents and on that theme nikki i believe you have a rather interesting creative challenge for our listeners So if you're listening to this episode and this is the first time you've heard the show this is the point in the interview where I ask my guest to set you the listener a creative challenge and this is something that is on the theme of the interview and will stretch you creatively and personally and maybe professionally as well and it's something that you can do or at least get started on within 7 days of listening to this 
conversation. So, Nikki, what's your creative challenge? Well, this creative challenge has to do with your voice, since I use my voice a lot for work. And it's you have to think of ways, new ways in which you can use your voice creatively, either in your personal life or your professional life, and what that would mean for you. And things that, you know, in ways that you've never thought before. For example, if, uh, you know, let's say work, for example, and um, you're just used to texting or emailing your clients, what about just picking up the phone, talking to them, mm-hmm. you know, if you get a, a request for, for a certain project and things are not clear to you, instead of going back and forth, you know, with, with email, just pick up the phone and, and talk to them, you know, call them. You clarify more things. You get a sense of the person that you're going to work with. They get a sense from you and then they gain more confidence because you made the effort to call them and to be able to clarify things. And so, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, phone calls, um, which are not not as used now as as they were before, but but actually work very well um, to you know to improve things in in your work. And um, another example is for you know if if you have uh, kids, young kids, or a niece or a nephew or or grandkids, when's the last time you um, you just read a story mm-hmm. for them? You know, bedtime story, or just a like. 10 minutes like within the day where they're, I don't know, maybe overexcited or they're, you know, they're having a bit of a meltdown or a tantrum or whatever. And you just sit down and pick up a book and say, well, let me let me read you a story or tell you a story. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a story that, you know, off of the top of your mind, you know, why not communicate with them and, and be creative that way? And uh, and of course, you know, that that that's also something very nice that that you can do and there's all sorts of things that you can use your voice for if if you think about it and um so the challenge is that you know see how using your voice can change your life and your business what a lovely challenge okay and i think particularly you know in these days when we are so challenged around the the area of connection that very often we can't meet in person as much as we can you know a voice can really make that, you know, bridge that gap in a way that email and text and SMS never will. So mm-hmm. often people hide behind email and messages get lost or that you don't get that same level of trust and connection that is so vital if you're going to be working with somebody because you know, creative projects are rarely uh, run entirely smoothly. So I think that's a lovely thing to do that really don't forget what a wonderful instrument your voice is um, even if we're not, we haven't all developed it as much as Nikki has. So, <laughs> thank you so much, Nikki, for coming on and sharing your experience of the show. So, where can people go to? Well, firstly, I'm going to let you in, pronounce the name of your podcast because I won't get the accent right. So, g- give us the podcast name and also your <laughs> website and where people can connect with you and and what they can connect with you for online. Absolutely. Well, first of all, this this has been a pleasure talking to you. So thanks so much for the opportunity. And uh, well, the name of my podcast is La Pizarra con Nicky Mondellini, which means The Slate with Nicky Mondellini. And uh, they can find out about it uh, on lapizarrapodcast.com. 
There's also an app called La Pizarra Podcast, downloadable on iOS and Android. Um, and they can uh, listen to it on most major platforms, you know, just find it that way. If you just put La Pizarra, you'll, you'll get 10 or 15. That's why I needed to put my name there as well. And that, that's spelled P-I-Z-A-R-R-A, is that right? Correct, yes. So it's L-A and then Pizarra is P-I-Z-A-R-R-A. And then C-O-N for con, Nikki Mondolini. So, right. And Nikki is N-I-C-K-Y. <laughs> and La Pizarra is a podcast made for people in the entertainment business who are probably just starting their career or they've been in it for a while and they, they like to hear the perspective from others who are experts and who have been in the business for a while to know how they navigate the ups and, you know, the highs and lows of the business that there are so many um, and, uh, you know, what they can do to get the best training and maybe create the, 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 a good demo, you know, for voiceover people or uh, get the best pictures, you know, headshots or all sorts of advice for people. But it's for both, you know, people on both sides of the camera, because I also talk to um, producers and creative directors and and what what their journey is like, where their their perspective is, you know, in working with actors. And uh, so it's, it's about putting those two things together. And it's not just voiceover, it's, um, it's acting, it's, you know, theater, it's uh, singers. And I started to do the podcast in Spanish because, you know, most, most people know me from, from my working in Mexico. Mm -hmm. But lately I've started to, to do more episodes in English as well, because um, I know a lot of amazing people that are English speakers that I know can contribute a lot to, to the podcast and to the followers, you know, so that's why I've been doing it in, in both languages lately. That's great. And then, you know, people can also find out uh, about my, my work if they want to see, you know, hear demos or anything. It's NikkiMondolini.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you. It was, it was really, really a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, best of luck with all your endeavors and your poetry podcast as well, which is amazing. Oh, thank you. You have been listening to The 21st Century Creative, hosted by Mark McGuinness. You can find the notes for today's episode with more about my guest, as well as all the backlist episodes at 21stCenturyCreative.fm. If you enjoyed the show, then I hope you will subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and take a few seconds to swipe and leave a rating for the show. If you would like to take the 21st Century Creative Foundation course to help you carve out an original creative career, you can sign up and get the whole course for free at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash free course. And if you are an experienced creative and you're curious about getting my help as a private coaching client, then the first step is to go to 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash coaching questions and answer the questions on that page. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me again soon.